Christians serve the God with the authority over sickness and, and, and death and suffering and pain and heartache and all the things that are made by His hand. Welcome to A Word from God with your host and teacher, James Lindley. The title of this episode is The Authority of Christ and was recorded live at Grand Community Church in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, this is Misha Pelkey, and before we get started, I want to remind you that James loves hearing from his listeners. Drop him a line via email at james at a wordfromgod.net. That email again is james at a wordfromgod.net. Or write to James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri, 65801. That address again is James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri, 65801. Now here's your host and teacher, James Lindley. We are in the book of Matthew. We are in chapter 7, verses 28 through 29. Today's sermon is the authority of Christ. I'm reading out of the ESV today. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we pray, O Lord, that you will open our hearts that we may receive your word today. I pray, God, that I will speak your words and not my own. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We are talking today about the authority of Jesus Christ. After Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount, the Bible tells us of the reaction of the people who heard him. They were astounded at his words and how he had spoken them. They were astounded at the power behind his word words, they were astounded about Jesus. So he does this Sermon on the Mount, as we know it to be, and the people after hearing this, they're in awe, they're in amazement, they're astounded, because he spoke in power, he spoke in authority. Now they had the teachers of the law back then, they had the people that would teach them, that were religious, but they didn't make an impact on the people. See, it was hard for the people to believe what these guys were saying to them because they weren't speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit the way Jesus was teaching them. So my first point here is the impact of Christ's teaching. The first part of our verse here is 728 in Matthew. It says, and when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching No one has ever taught like Jesus. There's never been a person in history that has ever taught the way Jesus did and still does. He was and is such a great teacher that many who deny his deity still commit their lives to his teachings. I worked for a man and he did not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, but somebody told him about the power of giving that the Bible teaches about how it is better to give than to receive. Now, even though he did not accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and he was quick to tell you that he did not believe, he believed in the teachings of Jesus Christ when it came to giving. 
and he swore by the teachings of Jesus Christ about giving. He would preach it. He would tell you Jesus teaches about giving and about how those who give are rewarded. He believed it even though he did not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. That's how powerful the teaching of Christ is, that even those who don't believe at times believe what he teaches. The people were astounded, drives home the fact that Jesus made an impact when he taught the people. Even today, people are still astounded as they learn from the word of God and Jesus' teachings. Nothing has changed in over 2,000 years. People who are listening to the word of God, people who get it, people who have ears, right? They are astounded to learn that even today, the teachings of Jesus applies to our lives. It's not outdated. Jesus was passionate about preaching and teaching and took every opportunity to do so. Jesus just didn't sit around waiting for people to come to him. He traveled around looking for places and people to where he could preach the word of God, to where he could talk about the Father and about the salvation through himself so that people would get the message. He was passionate about this. Jesus is a clear example of how we, his disciples, should take every chance we get to proclaim God's word. We should take every chance we have to proclaim God's word. We should always take the opportunity to talk about God to anyone that we can talk about him to. Jesus reached out to everyone who would listen and even preached to his enemies even though he knew they planned to kill him. That's right. Jesus even preached to the enemies of his gospel, of his father, of his kingdom. He preached to these people. He told the Pharisees, if you do not believe who I am, you will die in your sin. He was warning them that if you don't believe, you will die in your sin. And they were his enemy. They were seeking to kill him. Yet he still was preaching to them whenever the opportunity arise to do so. Teaching and preaching was just one example of how Jesus served God and people. That was just one example. We know by reading the Bible that Jesus had many ways that he served the Father and he served people. Did he not? Jesus came to serve. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Jesus says here, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Understand that when Jesus came in the flesh, he came to serve. He came to serve mankind. He came to serve God. He was a living and still is a living example of how we are to be to one another. Does everybody get that? We are to serve one another. We are to serve God. We are to love one another. We are to care for one another. Jesus went as far as to give his entire life for us. Imagine for a moment, just think about this. God is in heaven and he sees that mankind is hopeless. You have no hope. And he decides that he is going to come down and be born into the flesh of a human being and suffer one of the worst deaths you can imagine so that we may have eternal life. What else can you compare that to? That is the ultimate 
service, is it not? That somebody would give their life for all of us who don't deserve it. Amen? We don't. But he served us in such a way because he loved us. Now, Jesus' teachings had a powerful impact on all who listened to him, but, but impact does not always translate into obedience. I said impact does not always translate into obedience. You see, the people were astounded, but not every person listening was obeying his teachings or would go on to obey his teachings. Being astounded is one thing. Reacting on what you've heard is another. There is a huge difference between being astounded and doing what Jesus says to do. There's a big difference between hearing and doing, between professing and discipleship. Do we understand what that difference is? Jesus was not seeking their amazement. He wasn't preaching this to get a reaction in such a way that all it would be is amazement. That's not his end result that he wanted. He did not want to make grand speeches just to get applause from the people. You see, today we have a lot of people that just want to say stuff to us just so we can look at them in awe. Ooh, you're a cool person. Yeah. So we have a lot of people today that like to wear clothes that get attention. I'm just saying the motives, okay? We have a lot of people that do stunts and foolish things to get attention from other people. Jesus was not one of those persons. In fact, Satan had tempted Jesus with grandstanding and Jesus was victorious. Matthew 4, verses 5 and 7. Remember we went over the testing of Christ? It says, then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What Satan wanted Jesus to do was to make a grandstand, to make a spectacle of himself. He wanted him to throw himself off that mountain and give Jesus the idea that angels would come and save him and, and just he would be in front of all the people flying under the power of angels, being saved by them. But Jesus knew you don't tempt God like that. So Satan was tempting Jesus to grandstand. That wasn't Jesus' style. Jesus wasn't a flashy kind of guy. Okay, so we know that he defeated that temptation long before he gave this sermon. Amen. Everybody follow me where I'm going with this. Okay. Jesus wanted more than a reaction. He wanted action. When you come to church and you hear the word of God and I'm throwing scripture up here and I'm teaching you, God wants more than a reaction from you. He wants action from you. I don't want you guys clapping at the end of a sermon, okay? I don't even care if you guys come up here and give me a pat on the back and say, wonderful sermon today, as long as I know that God has touched your heart and that you're going to take action on what he told you to do in the sermon. 
He was looking for more than amazement. He was seeking their lives, their commitment, their faith in him and him alone. Understand that God loves you so much that the reason why he wants you in church is so that you can hear the message of that love. Because you know what? We're thick-headed people, aren't we? Let's be honest. We got to hear something over and over and over and over and over and over and over before it gets in our thick skulls. Don't we? It's hard to believe in this day and age that someone loves you unconditionally. It's hard to look at your life today and see all the troubles that you have today and even phantom the idea that God loves you unconditionally. Because if he loved you, why do you have all these problems? Well, I hate to tell you this, but Jesus didn't come to take away all of your earthly problems. He came to save you from something called sin. A lot of us don't believe that we have something called sin. A lot of us believe that we don't need to be saved from sin. A lot of us believe that God is going to accept us on our good merit, on our good hearts, on our good works, because we're good people. Let's face it, we don't murder anybody, do we? We don't rob any banks, do we? But God's not judging your salvation on that basis alone, okay? It takes Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is who he's judging you against. See, Jesus is perfect. Jesus lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life. And when you get up in front of the judgment seat of God, he's going to compare you not to the person sitting next to you in church. He's going to compare you not to the person who works with you. He's going to compare you not to the person who's on news getting in trouble for something that you would never do. No, he is going to compare you to his son, Jesus Christ. And you won't measure up unless you accept Jesus Christ as the payment for your sins. And then you will be covered by the blood of Christ and what he did on the cross. That is the reaction that Jesus is looking for when you come to church. That is the action that Jesus is looking for. He's looking for your hearts. He wants you to turn your hearts over to him. He wants you to leave here today and say, God, I don't know about everybody else in this world, but I know I've got a problem that I can't fix. God, I know that I got a problem that nobody else can fix but you. And I want you to fix it. I want you to fix it. You see, you've got to want it enough to ask for it. And once you ask for it, you have to ask for it until you get to the point where you'll actually take it. When somebody offers it and gives it to you. Have you ever asked for something and you asked for it so long, but then when that person tried to give it to you, you changed your mind and backed away. People do that with the gospel all the time. They come to God and they superficially proclaim, I love you, God. I trust you, God. I need you, God. But then when it comes to the point where he says, here's my son, Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. They say, well, I don't know. Don't know if I want to go that way or not. Being astounded is not enough. We must do more. We must alter our course, repent, and follow Jesus. We must have a change of heart. We must have a change of mind. We have to have a change of direction. We cannot continue on living like the devil and think that we're going to be saved like the saints. It doesn't work that way. When God calls you to the kingdom, you become a citizen of that kingdom. You become a part. You become a citizen of that kingdom. Every Christian today is a citizen in the kingdom of God, right? You don't see that kingdom right now, do you? It's in heaven. 
But it's coming to earth when Jesus returns. He's going to set his kingdom here on the new earth that he's going to build with the new citizens that are coming. You see, this is the drafting, if you will. Right now, God is calling people to the big party. Do you understand what I'm saying? When Jesus comes back, the party started. And all of those who did not accept the invitation will be locked out of the party. That's the way it works. I didn't make the rules. Don't hate the messenger. That's the reaction and action that Jesus wants out of the people who listen to his words. He wants you to commit your life to him. He wants you to repent and he wants you to follow Jesus. Pastor, what am I repenting from? I'm a good person. There is no one good but God. You understand that we must come to God and tell him I'm a sinner. If you don't see that you're a sinner, you miss the whole point of comparing yourself to the holy God who's perfect. There is nothing wrong with being astounded with Jesus' teachings. Many people are. But the point and purpose of them is to compel us to do the will of God. In John seven seventeen. if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. You understand what Jesus is saying? If you have a desire to do God's will, you will know when God is teaching you something to do that will. You'll know it in your heart. Okay, so number two, amazing authority. Everybody say amazing authority. I want you guys to get a picture of Jesus Christ and the authority that he carries with him. Okay? Matthew seven twenty nine. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The people had never heard such teaching with the authority that Jesus exercised. They just, they didn't. Because there was no other person like Jesus. He was God in the flesh. He was the perfect person. The authority mentioned here probably means several different things. Now picture this. Jesus is out there and he's preaching this sermon to a multitude of people. So here's what they experienced. Jesus spoke with a tone that sounded authoritative. He spoke in a tone of confidence, of authority. He spoke as the true Messiah. Not just some guy coming along and saying, let me tell you a story. No, he spoke as the true Messiah. He spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at these a little closer. He spoke with a tone that sounded authoritative. Jesus was meek. Meekness is not weakness. He was not weak. When called for, Jesus would at times speak in such a tone that those who heard him would know He meant serious business. Listen, I know that there are some Christians because I've encountered them. They always speak in a nice, gentle, loving, little mousy voice. I don't believe that Jesus always did that. I think that there was times when Jesus had to teach in such a way and speak in such a way that people understood that he was God and he had the authority to speak to them and they needed to hear what he had to say at the times that he was saying it. So Jesus spoke in this tone 
while giving this sermon. He meant business and he wanted them to know, I'm telling you the truth. He spoke as the true Messiah. When Christ spoke to the people, he was more than a preacher, more than a teacher. He was and is the chosen one of God the Father. When people looked at him and they heard him speak, they knew they were hearing God. They may not consciously have known it, but their hearts knew it. Don't you know that it, look, each and every one of us is born with the knowledge that there is a God. I had a friend that was, he is an atheist. He's an emergency room doctor. And he says, I've never seen anybody seriously sick in the emergency room who didn't pray, including him. He got sick and thought he was having a heart attack, and he started praying, God save me. So each and every one of us know there's a God, right? The question is, do you know that that God is Jesus Christ? Number three, he spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. He spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit with his power, and I'm talking about with his, the Holy Spirit's power. Christ spoke then and speaks even today to the hearts of people who are willing to hear his words. Who are willing to hear his words. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled. Listen to this, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What is Jesus talking about? Well, let me tell you what he's talking about. First of all, he's saying that the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has anointed him, has covered him, has dwelled within him. Okay? To proclaim the good news. What is the good news? That you can have grace through Jesus Christ. You can have forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ. If that's not good news to you, that you're not going to hell, I don't know what good news you're looking for. You should be shouting it from the rooftops. Now listen, he said, say this to the poor. Do you think he's talking about people who are poor with money? He's talking about poor in spirit. He's talking about the people who have no hope. You're spiritually bankrupt, but now you got hope because Jesus has come in the flesh to die for your sins. He's done it. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. What are you captive with? Sin is your captor. Sin has got you until Jesus sets you free. You cannot wiggle yourself free from sin. You can't do it. Recovering sight to the blind. You can see but you can't see your own sin until Jesus comes into your heart and shows you what your sin is. Then you can see it. That's the blindness he's talking about. Praise God. The oppressed. Sin oppresses us. Sin holds us down. Deep down inside, you know your life is so good, you wouldn't trade it with anyone else. So why are you so miserable? Because you're still in your sin. You're being oppressed. You're captive to it. You don't know why you worry about stuff. I'll tell you why you worry about stuff. Because you don't believe that God is in control of your life. And you don't believe that because you haven't given him control of your life. You haven't surrendered your life over to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say. That's not giving control over to God. When you surrender everything to the Lord, you have no more control. God does. Now, Mark 4, 9 says, and he said, he who has ears to hear, 
let them hear. You got to have the Holy Spirit to hear what God is saying. You have to have the Holy Spirit and you have to have willing hearts to hear what God wants to say. You see, you could tell someone you're living in sin. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not willing to receive that. I'm not willing to accept that. I don't have ears to hear that. Jesus is saying if you're willing to hear what he's got to say, you'll hear it because he'll give you the ears to hear it with. In sharp contrast to Jesus, the scribes, that was the teachers of the law, they did not speak or teach with authority. These were religious figureheads. We have some of them here today. In our world today, we have people that get on our television sets and our radio sets and even in our churches, and they talk in their own authority. They talk in their own rules. They lay rules on top of rules inside of churches. They don't teach anything about grace. They don't teach anything about forgiveness. They don't teach anything about God. They teach everything about rules and what you got to do to get to heaven. We have false religions that do that. The teachers of the law had the most backing of any religious group in history. Listen to this. There has never been a group of people who have had the backing that they had back in Jesus' day. They had a lot of power behind them, okay? Yet they did not command the authority, the authority that Jesus and did and still does even today. Why? Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Because they did not submit themselves to the one and only Son of God. You'll know when a pastor, preacher, minister is talking to you from God because your heart will be affected. That doesn't mean that you'll make changes. It doesn't mean that you'll submit, but you will hear it. It will cut you to the heart and you will know that God has said something to you, whether or not you want to hear it or not. You'll know that God was speaking to you through that person because your heart will tell you so because the Holy Spirit will come in and slice right through everything that you knew and say, hey. I'm talking to you and I'm God and you need to listen to this. And then you have to make a choice. Do I want to act on what I, what I just heard or do I want to walk away? Many people in Jesus' day heard the words of God and walked away. Okay, so the scribes, they relied on other sources to back them rather than the authority of God the Father. They relied on religion, tradition, and rituals. So they relied on religion and tradition. And rituals. Jesus did everything with the power and authority of God. He never did one thing that the Father did not give him authority to do. Today, people talk like God has told them everything in the world and has given them all the answers and said, Oh, you know what? I, I'm talking on behalf of God when they didn't have the authority. But Jesus never did that. In John 5 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Listen, don't watch me. Don't watch the deacons back there. Don't watch the person next to you in church. Don't look at the empty seat in church and say, well, I'm going to follow that example. Open up your book, your Bible. Read what's in there. See what God is doing. See what God has done. Watch God. Watch Jesus. Follow him. Do what the Father is doing. Don't take the example of the world. Don't turn on the TV and watch reality shows and hear people cussing one another out, treating each other like dogs. It's terrible out there. Don't follow that example. Watch what God is doing. Do what God is telling you to do. 
not what your fellow people are doing. That's what Jesus did. He couldn't do anything that he did not see the father doing. And you know why Jesus never sinned? Because he never saw the father sin. He never witnessed God sinning. So he never sinned. He only did what the father did. So in conclusion, I want to say that Christians serve the living God who has all authority over all things. Christians serve a God with the authority over our finances. Christians serve the God with the authority over sickness. Christians serve the God with the authority over the economy. Christians serve the God with the authority over sickness and, and, and death and suffering and pain and heartache and loneliness and sadness and goodness and evil and all the things that are made by his hand everywhere. He has the authority. But there is one place he wants the authority that you have to give him. That's the authority over your heart. You see, you have a free will choice to make today. And God will not take that choice away from you. You have to willingly give him the authority over your heart. Oh, he'll still have authority over your life because whether you like it or not, things are going to go the way God wills them to go. But how you receive those things that happened in your life, in your heart, how you receive Jesus in your heart, that authority is yours until you give it over to God. He has given you a life to live. And he is asking you to surrender that life willingly over to him. Did he not give Jesus life? And did not Jesus give his life over willingly? No one takes my life, but I give it willingly. And you have to give your life willingly, becoming a living sacrifice to the living God so that he may use you. So he may use you to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This is Misha again to remind you that James loves hearing from his listeners. You can contact him via email at james at a wordfromgod.net. Again, that's james at a wordfromgod.net. Or write to James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri 65801. And be sure to visit us online at www.awordfromgod.net. I'm Misha Pelkey for A Word From God. And I'm James Lindley. And I want to thank you for listening. And I pray that God will bless you immensely from this message.